morning. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32. We'll start there. I've been reading in the news lately, and I think of how much tragedy we we see, you know, and I'm reminded of the uh, of the waters that we often sail through in life. Um, ferries going down, taking hundreds of high school students with them. Another one went down, I think, in Vietnam. You know, that missing flight, they still haven't found it. And I'm just reminded of the treacherous waters that we sail through in life. I think sooner or later, we all find ourselves in waters we would rather not be in. There are, um, as we go through life, there are different challenges that face it at different times. You know, I can remember when I was in school, I mean, greatest challenge was perhaps a test coming up, you know, or facing some bullies at school, or when you get older, the, the challenges are a little bit greater. You know, raising children, it's not easy in today's world. Transitions of life, you know, um, seeing your children grow from children to adults, and then learning to relate to them as a parent to an adult rather than to a child. That's a transition, you know. Sometimes it could be wrought with hazardous uh, conditions like a ship in the water in a storm or something, you know. Um, you know, you could be facing, I can remember one time when we were looking at the prospect of Heidi having surgery on her spine because of a tumor that was there. That was one of those um, hazardous journeys that, how are we going to deal with this, you know? And I'll tell you one thing, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is like when the, the disciples were in the boat in a storm, Jesus was in the boat with them. <laughs> and they, they, they took issue with the fact that he was sleeping, but everything was under control. He knew it, they just didn't. You know? But as we go through the different seasons of life, as we go through the different trials, and whatever they meet might be uh, for you, there are certain tools that the Lord gives us and instruction that he gives us as Christians. I'm talking to the Christian now um, that we need to remind ourselves of how important they are, because most of the things that we go through life, like if you look at the uh, I was just reading about that Concordia, that ship that capsized off of in the Mediterranean somewhere. I don't know if it was off Italy or Greece or somewhere. And they said that the captain can't get a fair trial because so everybody, everybody hates him so much right now. You know, and then there's the captain of that ferry that, with the high school kids that they saw him leaving the ship before people got off. You know, and so people are up in arms. There's relationships that get really damaged through these times, and I think we can all relate to that. What's important as we go through life are relationships, relationships. And so for me, I just want to remind us once again. We've heard this before. It was the topic of our worship this morning. It's on forgiveness, on forgiveness. I think it's a message that we really constantly need to hear because forgiveness doesn't always come easy for us. And when we do extend forgiveness, there are times when it seems to the bitterness creeps back in and we have to forgive all over again. So let's look at the topic of forgiveness. First of all, we have to consider the idea of forgiveness from the one we need it most from, and that's from the Lord. And David's speaking in this psalm just of the joy of knowing that you have forgiveness. Psalm 32, 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. 
How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and is in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to thee and my iniquity. I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and thou didst forgive me the guilt of my sin. What a wonderful God that we have that stands ready to forgive those that are truly contrite and confess their sins to him. For the Christian, for the one that knows the Lord Jesus Christ, who has the Holy Spirit abiding in him, knows this experience, the bitterness of conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit, the restlessness, the uneasiness, knowing that the fellowship has been broken with God because of sin. And I'm just wondering, you know, and I have to think of my life and I want to pose that question to you. When was the last time you had that experience? Or if you did. When was the last time you had that experience that you were so sensitive to the Spirit of God that you really grieved over any one sin that you committed? To the point that you couldn't rest until you confessed it. You're walking close with the Lord if that time wasn't too long ago. That's how we should be every day if we know the Lord Jesus Christ. It should grieve us when we grieve Him. And we should seek forgiveness from Him first. And then from those perhaps that we've offended and sinned against. And I think oftentimes I'm hearing less and less of people doing that. And so that makes me want to sharpen my spiritual life up to where I'm more sensitive to the Spirit's guidance. Remember one time David was so sensitive he cut a little piece off Saul's hem of his garment and his conscience smote him. Saul was trying to kill him. But that disrespect shown to the anointed of God, the king of Israel, uh, he couldn't handle it until he confessed it. So, forgiveness. Who can forgive us our sins? Who can forgive us our sins? Well, we know that, and many people in the world will tell you, well, only God can really forgive sins. But who is Jesus? Jesus is God. We talked about that, uh, that passage this morning in Matthew chapter 9. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 9. It's also found in Mark, but we'll read in Matthew And this is precious because it really gives us firm foundation on where we can find forgiveness of our sins from the Lord. Matthew chapter 9. Starting in verse 1. He got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. You think that's what he wanted to hear? The question was posed in, in the breaking bread this morning in our worship service. He was a paralytic. He couldn't walk. His friends brought him there. He wanted to walk. And Jesus said, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Think of that. You know, there's a lot of times people consider things more important than forgiveness. 
You know, maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's an infirmity. Maybe it's a financial condition. Maybe it's a job. They'll go to God for those things. And they won't think of seeking forgiveness from God. But Jesus dishes out the more important first. And he uses it as an illustration. At once, some of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk? Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Take up your bed and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. So Jesus shows... He gave the man what he wanted, but he gave him more. He gave him the forgiveness of his sins. And he proved he could do it by the miracle. I wonder if you're here today, have you asked Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? I'm not talking about just one. I'm talking about all of them. Have you knelt before the cross at Calvary? Realized that Jesus died in your place to pay for your sins. And there's only one thing he requires of you. Just one. To receive him. To receive that payment for your sins. To acknowledge your sins before him and that you need that forgiveness. To receive it as a free gift, eternal life, the salvation of your soul. Have you done that? I don't know. The Lord knows. But it's the most important thing in your life. The most important. comes before all the difficulties you might be going through right now. And if you have the forgiveness of your sins... You have the greatest treasure there is. The greatest. Everything else pales in comparison. Everything else can fall by the wayside, whether it's your health, your financial situation, family members can pass on. But you have the forgiveness of your sins. You have the greatest hope that you can possibly have. Only Jesus can forgive sins. Not a priest, not a person. Sins from God can only be forgiven by God, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it didn't come up cheap, did it? He doesn't just sweep sins under the carpet. He can't. He's a holy God. Sin demands a penalty, and he paid that penalty. Death on the cross. And you have to contemplate what that meant for him. It says he took my sins, your sins, everybody's sins... What do we have, almost 7 billion people on the planet? Not just 7 billion. All people of all times, sins, on his body, in his body on the cross. And he was punished by the Father in our place so that the justice of God could be satisfied. That's what he paid so that he could forgive you. That's what he paid so he could forgive me. There are people that think, well, no, he didn't die for everyone. He just died for those that would accept him. No, 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 no. He died for the sins of the world. For everyone's. So your penalty has been paid for. The question is, have you accepted it? And it's real easy to say, oh yeah, I've accepted it. Easy to say, just like what Jesus says here, which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven. Oh yeah, I've been forgiven. Really? Really? Have you been forgiven your sins? Are you sure that if you die today, walk out that door and some jet crashes into the front of the building and you die, that you'll be standing before God in a favorable light, having the salvation of your soul being ushered into heaven? Will you be in heaven? 
I hear a lot of answers to that question. Some people say, well, I hope so. I'm not talking about hoping. I'm talking about knowing. Knowing more sure than you know anything else today. I know who my wife is. I know who my children are. I know where my house is. But do I know I have eternal life more sure than I know those things? That's a pretty solid confidence. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you should have that. If you don't have that confidence, you should question whether you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of sin is so important. Didn't come cheap. It says, surely, in Isaiah 53, our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourgings, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. <laughs> Didn't come cheap. He took it all. And I'm encouraged and sometimes ashamed that he knows every sin that I've committed. But more than that, every sin I will commit until the day I go to be with him. And he grabbed them all together, took them all to the cross. Now, the sins of my past, I can't do anything about. But to know that he died for sins I'm going to commit tomorrow, that makes me ashamed of myself. And I, and for, I think for good reason, I am more guilty for the sins after I came to know the Lord than before. Because I know what he did to pay for those sins, to forgive those sins. But, but I want to ask myself, and I hope you ask yourself today, am I sufficiently grieved over my sins? When I commit sins, do I let the Holy Spirit convict me? If I'm guilty of... And to, we have many more opportunities to sin today, it seems like. I mean, we have social media. You can sin all kinds on social media, and everybody knows it. You know, And you can't take that kind of stuff back. Am I ashamed of myself for sinning? Do I frequent the throne of grace and confess my sins? That's going to tell whether I have a healthy spiritual life or not. And you know, not just confessing to God, we're going to talk a little bit later, confessing to one another. How many parents do we have here? If you're, if you're a parent, raise your hand. Have you ever confessed your sins, a sin to your child, your, your, your son or daughter, and then ask for their forgiveness? You know, the younger they are, the more pleased they are with that. <laughs> they're still happy to hear it when they're older. But I, I've never had one of my kids say, no, I'm not going to forgive you. You know? It doesn't always work out like that with other people. You know, let me think about it. <laughs> they don't say that, but that's what they're thinking. Why is it, what makes it so hard to forgive? God, it should have been hard for God to forgive, right? But what makes it so hard for us to forgive? You ever think about that? It's almost like when somebody sins against us, you know, it's like they owe us. I mean, if we think of it in terms of money, they owe me money. I mean, they don't owe me money, but they owe me. I don't want to give that up. Why? Because they won't owe me. <laughs> right? I want to think twice before I just give it up. I mean, that's a sinful nature. An unwillingness to forgive. But I'll tell you, like Psalm 32, there's no joy, no greater joy to know that it's all released. You know? Sure, you're forgiven. You know? And, and, I've, and I'm speaking from personal experience. I know what it's like to hang on to a grievance. 
And I know what it's like to give it up. And it's good to give it up. It really is. It's good to live with the love of Christ in your heart toward all those around you. I can remember I was at work and, you know, I used to be the director of training and I didn't learn until I was a director that that's actually a title. You know, that there's a corporate, like, structure and the director's up here. So when you can put that on your business card, director of something, that means something to some people. I'm just, I'm just a working man. It didn't mean anything to me. But it meant something to the guy that wanted to stab me in the back to get that title. I was demoted twice, you know. And I can remember the executive director asked me, can you work for this guy? And not, it wasn't the guy that, that wanted that title. It was a guy that was under me. I said, yeah, I could. And the executive director was going, oh, good. I was hoping you'd say that. Well, that's the Christian response, right? So long story short, uh, me and my boss were talking about it about a month or two ago. Um, he's my director of training, and now I'm the lead instructor. And he, he gives me preferential treatment because we work so well together. But I, we talk about the days where things were different, and he was a thorn in my flesh. And I'm thinking, I'm, I told, and I told myself, I am so glad that the way things are now is the way they are, from what they used to be. You know, um, God worked it out for a blessing for me because I would not want your job. And 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 He makes my job pleasurable. He really does. Why? Well, because I can get past things in the past because I've forgiven. He's not a Christian. He doesn't know that, but he knows my attitude toward him. He knows that I haven't harbored any grievance against him. All the way up the ladder, I haven't. And the Lord's worked it out for my blessing. It's good to release that. And I get to do things now I would never be able to do had I still had that position. And you don't know what they require of him. He puts in probably twice the hours I put in for half the pay. You can have that, you know. Good. You get a business card. Go ahead, have the business card, you know. Forgiveness is important and it's practical. Doesn't come cheap. Didn't come cheap to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not so expensive for us. It says he bore our sins in his body. While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's interesting because when you study forgiveness in the New Testament, you find, first of all, that God has forgiven us. And it's free for the acceptance, because he offers it as a free gift. But there's some moral obligation that comes with it. And it's sort of um, embedded in what we like to call the Lord's Prayer, but there's a, a passage that speaks about it even more clearly. In the Lord's Prayer, he mentions the Lord Jesus when asked, teach us to pray. He, part of his prayer says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So implied in asking God's forgiveness is that we're not going to harbor a grievance withhold forgiveness from someone next to us, right? Family member, a worker, neighbor, whatever. Jesus goes so far as to say, if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. What does that mean? What does that mean? That means if we expect fellowship with God... If we know him, if we accepted him through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a relationship. It's a father-son relationship. If we accept, expect sweet fellowship, then we need to forgive those that we've wronged. We need to let that go because that will hinder our relationship with God the Father. And that there's no more miserable person than a Christian out of fellowship with God. It's just God won't let them rest. So we are not under obligation to forgive those that have offended us, those that um, have wronged us. 
and there's a joy in doing it. Feels good afterwards. Peter had a problem with that. He said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. And he thought he was being generous at seven, right? I'm trying to think of anybody I've forgiven seven times for the same thing. I can't think of anybody, you know. Um, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Oh, that number's up there. In other words, never stop. Don't ever stop. You know, and if you're a parent, you've undoubtedly sinned against your children at one time or another, but your children have also sinned against you. And every time I ask myself, man, how many times is this going to happen? I feel like the Lord's saying, yeah, well, how many times did it happen with you and me? <laughs> you know, the Lord has a way of teaching parents about this relationship between us and God, the Father, with our children. Look at your children. You like how they act? No, well, how do you think you act in front of me? <laughs> and then I think, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that helps me to forgive. That helps me to have patience. Because really, after all, before God, we're just, we're just a bunch of grown-up kids if you're a grown-up. <laughs> you know, that's what we act like. Um, we squabble and argue and blame and, you know, don't forgive. And we have to teach our children to do that, just like God has to teach us. But the basis for God's argument in us forgiving one another is the fact that He's forgiven us. So we've got to look at the ratio there of, of the value of that forgiveness. And we see that in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. He says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. So a talent is about 130 pounds. Could be a gold, could be a silver, but since this is in, seems like it's in currency, we'll consider it 130 pounds of silver. Um... So, uh, 130 pounds of silver in that day represented 15 years of wages. One talent. One talent. A thousand talents. So, we're talking about 150,000. 150,000 years of wages. So, that's about 30 financial lifetimes. 3,000 financial lifetimes. That's a lot of money. I mean, maybe we have some corporate executives today's day and age that have that kind of money, but I don't. And if I had a debt like that, I certainly wouldn't be able to repay it. 3,000 lifetimes. Okay. But since he did not have means to repay it, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had. Boy, this is what you owe me. You can't pay. Well, I'll sell you as slaves. The slave, therefore, falling down, prostrated himself before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you everything. You think he, think he really believed that? How was he going to do that? He had no way to pay back that much. The Lord of that slave felt compassion. And as a result, he released him and forgave him the debt. Compassion. Now we see what motivates the heart of God. Compassion. There's no way you're going to be able to pay me back. But I have compassion on you. I forgive you the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his slaves and who owed him a hundred denarii. What's the difference here? One was like 3,000 lifetimes. The denarii was about a day's wage. So a hundred days wage is about 40% of a yearly salary. Still something. I mean, I, I wouldn't you know, turn my nose at that. <laughs> That's a good chunk of change. 
but nothing compared to 3,000 financial lifetimes, right? So his fellow slave owed him that much. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell down and began to entreat him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. And he was unwilling, however, but went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened and were deeply grieved, they came and reported to their Lord all that happened. Then he summoned him. Uh, then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you entreated me. Should you not have had also, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave, even as I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until they should repay all that was owed him. So shall my heavenly father also do to you if each one of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. That's a pretty strong lesson. Hand over to the torturers. And so, I'm reminded, when tempted to hold that forgiveness, how much has the Lord forgiven me? Do you know I have no idea? We have a solid figure here, thousand talents, right? But how much is all my sins for all my lifetime? I have no idea. And that should be the basis for forgiving someone for having offended me. Pretty solid argument, isn't it? Should we not forgive based on that? Can you see how upset, well, that's not a good word, how furious a holy God is at that scenario when we hold back our petty little grievance against someone when he's forgiven us for so much? It just doesn't make sense. And then we'll go to God and ask him to forgive us again for a sin that is worth an eternity in hell, one sin. You know, we hold back forgiveness from someone that's sinned against us in such a minute way. Forgiveness. Withholding forgiveness can bring detriment to your life, but extending forgiveness could bring joy and blessing. So we need to remember that. And, and it's not a lesson that we can learn. Okay, I learned it today. Oh yeah, I got that one down. Because... You have a sinful nature, I have a sinful nature. No sooner that we log that lesson and we do a couple practice runs, down the road we find ourselves harboring a little bit of grievance, holding back for forgiveness to someone in our lives. Whether it's a family member, co-worker, fellow student, neighbor, you know. And my pet peeve of mine is parking in front of my street. I I have to watch that because... I understand full well that it's a public street and anybody has a right to park there. But somehow in front of my house, I sort of feel like I wish I had my own private space there. And most of the neighbors, we all understand that. We respect each other's spot. But I live across the street from a condominium complex. It's got about 30 units or 40 units. And so the visitors come and they're in my place, (laughs) you know. Sometimes, I mean, I'm terrible. Sometimes I'll back up to within half an inch of their bumper, you know, just to let them know I'm not pleased with them. Is that a forgiving spirit? No, it's not. So, I, I mean, the Lord upbraided me for it. And I can remember going out there and being friendly with the neighbors and all of a sudden things change. You know? Little things. I mean, I know forgiveness. The Lord's forgiven me, but some petty little parking thing. I'm going to withhold forgiveness, you know, it's like, come on. So it does have practical application. That's just, I mean, that's, I, I, granted, I gave you that real small example. I have bigger ones, but I don't want to say everything. <laughs> Be on your guard. 
If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. Notice what it says. If he returns to you seven times a day saying, I repent. It doesn't give us the authority to evaluate the sincerity of that word. I repent. Uh, They don't really mean it, so I don't have to forgive them. Didn't say it with sincerity. Uh, He says it, but he said it before. No, 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 no. You don't have that authority. They say, I repent, you forgive them. You know? And I don't know about your household, but in my household, sometimes it's not received too well because... When I, when I have an issue, maybe Sandra's done something that's upset me. And she's, okay, will you forgive me? I'm, I'm sorry, I repent, will you forgive me? She just jumps right out there. Because she knows I'm obligated by Scripture to say, yeah, I forgive you. That's the end of it. I can't bring it up again, you know. She knows that's the end of story, you know. And that's how it should work. I'm reminded, you know, this is a petty thing, right? You know, no, no, wait a minute. Let me, let me think about it for a minute. No, no, no thinking about it. I repent. Forgive me. Okay, I forgive you. So, you know... We are human. We have an ingredient of sinful nature that's uh, similar to one another. And we know there is a temptation not to forgive. There is an initial reaction. No, wait a minute. I don't know if I want to forgive yet. I'm not sure if they're sincere. I'm not sure this is the end of it. Let me me think on it. No, that's not what it says. It says forgive them. What's worse is it says seven times. And then seven times seven. You said you forgive me ten times for that so far, and things haven't changed. Well, you don't have an authority to say that. No, 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 I can say it 70 times, 70, you still have to forgive me. And I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, you should be on the other end of that. But the forgiving end we should be on, right? Forgiving end we should be on. And the, the, the apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith, really? Just say they forg- and forgive them? Well, we need faith for that. And then he says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. What's he saying there? If you had faith like a mustard seed, you can get that mulberry bush into the ocean. You need faith to forgive someone? Come on. You don't need that much faith. Just remember what God's done for you. It doesn't take a lot of faith. Which one of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat? Will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, properly clothe yourself and serve me until I have eaten and drank, then afterwards you can eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded and you say we are, you say we are unworthy slaves, we have done only that which we ought to have done. So he's, what he's saying is, one for one, it's not that hard. You don't need that much faith. Less than a mustard seed worth. For two, listen, I'm the one telling you to do it. Do it. Okay. He's got every right to tell us to do it, right? And he uses that example. I'm commanding you, forgive. You know what that tells me? That tells me it's a sin not to. And oftentimes it's the greater sin that was committed against us. Withholding forgiveness. In view of all that God's done, this is how God sees things. You're the, you have the greater sin. But they, but no, 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 no. You have the greater sin for not forgiving. Very important. Very important. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. 
I say I'm a Christian. I know God. Well, you're not forgiving this person. What's that say? It says I lie. And I'm not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't we want that from God? Don't we, don't we want when we go to God and we say, Lord, I've, I've sinned against you, please forgive me. Don't we want Him to forgive us? He goes beyond that. He forgives us for all the things we forgot to confess. <laughs> all unrighteousness. So if we, if we hope and expect that from God, shouldn't we extend that to our neighbor? And I just want to close with this danger because we have to, well, what if we don't? What if we don't? If we don't, it wreaks all kinds of havoc. It says in Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Root of bitterness. When there's lack of forgiveness, there's a root of bitterness that grows. And as it grows, it's going to put forth fruit. As it puts forth fruit, it's going to defile many. Have you ever been around someone that's bitter? I mean, really bitter? And it just comes out of them? You know, and and if it sounds like there's a rightful claim, you have people that start taking sides. They don't know all the facts. They haven't heard both sides, but they'll take one side or take the other side and they'll take up the grievance. And you have a root of bitterness that spreads and it destroys relationships and it destroys the Word of God. So we want to be very, very careful when we see somebody taking up a grievance. The, the best words we could share with them are, forgive as you have been forgiven. And so as we go through the many trials that we go through, I want to remember that in my life. I don't want, you know, and Bill McDonald was a great example to me. And what he said one time, he says he didn't want, doesn't want to go to his grave a bitter old man. I don't want to be bitter. I recognize there's a tendency. You know, with everything I see around me, with how wrong things are, it's really easy to be cynical. It's really easy to get bitter. But how am I going to win people for Christ if I can't show them the love of Christ, the joy of Christ? (laughs) You know, God's going to fix all the wrongs. Be assured of that. Do I have the patience to wait for it? And I'm going to share, am I going to share the joy of Christ? Have a forgiving heart until that day comes. That's what I want to remind myself of, and I hope you do too. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would help us to follow in your footsteps to have a forgiving heart. We think of how much it costs you to forgive us in a righteous and just way, and yet it doesn't cost us much at all. And we can be sometimes reluctant to forgive. We pray that you'd remove that reluctance. If there's any reluctance for us to forgive anyone, we pray that you would show it to us today. We ask it in Jesus' name.